You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sabu Speaks. I'm here live with the human highlight reel himself, Sabu. And I'm here with the man who calls it right down the middle, the manager of champions, none other than Bill Alfonso. Fonzie, welcome to Sabu Speaks. That's right, Daddy. I'm so happy to be here with my man, Sabu. Um, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it's our pleasure. Man, pleasure's all mine, ours, yours. <laughs> Thank you. All right, let what do you got in your hand there? Come on, backstage all access pass. I got a bunch of stuff I want to show you during the course of the podcast, like pictures of us and me and Andre, pictures of you and Bob Wire, with Jerry Funk, all kind of cool stuff for WrestleMania night. I got a long career. I can show you some cool pics. Hey, okay, yeah, but let's let's talk a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's up? What are you doing lately? Well, you been? What you uh, the last four weeks, let's see. I've been in St. Louis. Fargo, North Dakota. I was in Cleveland that's last weekend. Um, this Friday and Saturday, I'm working for AWA. It's a company out of Washington, D.C., indie company, small but good. Um, uh, that's this weekend. And then I fly to Miami Sunday uh, and do a show there, Florida. They're trying to revive that with Kevin Sullivan, the old Florida wrestling. We're going solely. They're trying to revive that, and I'm on that. And uh, just, just indie shows all over the country. Oh, Sabu, we're together at the Jacksonville, the big cup. I'm not going to be there. I got taken off. They said, do you want to get paid? And I said, yeah, this is well, we can't use you. Them's the break. Well, I'm off. You know, Ron uh, said I was off. Anyways, we'll talk about that later. Uh, yeah. Bill, real yeah. quick, you're, yes. you've been uh, managing a new champion or a guy who has a lot of championships in Matt Cardona, yeah. right? Yeah, Matt Cardona, he's badass. I was, that's in, um, I've been working for the last couple of years out of a company out of Cleveland, pretty damn good fucking company, AIW. Oh, AIW. Um, I was managing Matthew Justice and I switched with, switched on him and man, now managing Matt Cardona, who's badass. He's like the indie god right yeah. now. He's, he's the biggest hot name. Right now. He too many followers on Twitter. He's badass. Actually, he's hardcore Sabu. You, uh, if I say somebody's badass in the ring, I mean it. And, and I, I'm sticking up for the kid. He's really fucking good. He's really good. We, uh, I have to see for myself. No, I know who he is. Yeah, I know. He's good. Yeah, yeah. I agree. We had a funny moment with uh, Matt Cardona. We bumped into him on the Jericho cruise when we first got on, and we're going down in the elevator, and he's like, do you know where to go? And Sabu knew where to go. And he's like, I think I'm in trouble when I'm asking Sabu for directions. <laughs> it was pretty, I love pretty it. spot on. Yeah. Oh, he's he great. Too. He puts us over. We're his people. He said he wants to be just like you and Van Damme, you know. A lot of people say that. You influence a lot of people. ECW influenced a lot of people. And you and RVD personally influence so many people. I don't know if they tell me that to try to get over with me or, or the truth, but I think it's true. No, he, he's definitely a big fan. Well, you, you, you did your part too, so thank you also. 
you know, it wasn't wasn't just us, you know. Brother, I got titanium nine screws in here. I've been seventy stitches <laughs> here and there. I've been beat up too, so it's been beat up. But uh, thanks, guys, for having me. We were the uh, we were the whole weapon show. Hey, uh, yeah, yeah, actually, we were because uh, you know, like uh, they would put us on right after intermission and last. Right. Yeah, they put us on in for intermission if the show was bad last. If they mention ECW, yeah, many times Paul would say. Save this fucking show. I go okay, because the, the matches be bad, especially like in Jim Thorpe and all that. The guys right. were very hard in the B towns, and I always did. And he and he said he's got to save the show because the, the show would be terrible. You know, it was a lot of bad guys on it, and they didn't wrestle very good. And I would save the show. That people would forget the show was bad if I did good. Absolutely. And if um, people mention ECW, the names that come up are Sabu, RVD. The, the, those are the top names, and then of course Dreamer and Taz and Samuel. I didn't hear the story about Dreamer was going to kill Paul and then kill himself, and he's not joking. He wasn't smiling. Uh, he's yeah, not I heard that story. That was back then or now? No, yeah, right after uh, ECW folded and Paul was sitting in WWE and, and Dreamer, I don't know. Uh, seen him on TV and couldn't believe that because Paul goes don't quit if you quit ECW will die and so Dreamer didn't quit and then Paul sold out anyways and uh, didn't bring Dreamer with him so Dreamer said he got there on his own without Paul but Paul didn't help him right God bless Dreamer so he wanted to kill Paul on TV shoot him in the back of the head and then kill himself wow that would have been great TV (laughs) but uh, you know how that goes yeah people talk a lot but you know how did, you, shit. how did but, you first yeah. get, what was the, the idea and first, because you were first when you were in ECW, you were managing Taz. How did it come about that you started managing Sabu and Rob Van Dam? Well, um, I, I was you know, going to manage Rob because he managed me. But anyways. I was supposed to come in for four weeks. Paul Heyman called me and I was coming in for four weeks anti, because I just came from WWE, WWF. So I was... Vince wants the doctor, his wife, and the two kids at ringside. ECW was uh, 90% 18 to 30-year-old fucking male audience, different audience. So I was anti-ECW. I was supposed to come in for four weeks, stop the, stop the violence and all that, try to make it family entertainment, get choked by 911, and then leave. But um, I got so much heat. Paul Heyman thought it'd be a good idea for me <clears throat> to me <clears throat> to put excuse me to put me with Taz because Taz had like five gimmicks. Never really got over a Monkey Boy, Tasmania, <laughs> this and that. Never got over until he became Taz. I didn't get him over. He got himself over when he became Tasmania. He was called Tasmania before Taz. Yes. So they put me with him for a while, and after about six or eight months. Taz really didn't need me because he could talk, he could do this, and they thought it was great for me to, to put me, to switch on Taz uh, at the, or the first pay-per-view and go with Van Damme and Sabu because Sabu did, really didn't do promos, so I was speaking Van Damme with me. You were supposed to be with me because Rob could talk. Right. So I was your guy. It was perfect. You had a Sabu shirt on, not a Van, Van Damme and Sabu shirt. You had a Sabu shirt. Exactly. And it, and it worked so good. We clicked so good that they just left it. And we were on top of five years. Yes. yes. 
all main events, all, but we we were the whole fucking show. We did fucking fantastic. Bob White was very You fun. fit my character. You fit my character better than you fitted Rob's because I didn't oh, talk. hundred percent. Yeah, Rob didn't need me at all. But the contrast between you and Rob, right down the middle, it was good TV. It was great TV. If I came down to pick one or the other, you'd have to pick me, right? A hundred percent. Right, you know, I'm, Rob knows that. Of course, Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> I call it right down the middle. <laughs> but when it comes down to the end, you're going to go to my side, not down the middle. Right? Yes, because that makes more sense. Makes more sense. Yeah. I tell, tell us how you broke in the business. Tell me again about that. I forgot how you broke in. That's well, I'll make a long story short. When I was about 12 or 13 years old, my dad was having lunch with the sports editor for the Tampa newspaper, and he gave my dad two comp tickets to wrestling because the wrestling used to put the results in the ads. Who's going to wrestle Tuesday? I didn't know anything about wrestling. So my dad came home with two tickets, and really, Frank Klein gave me these tickets to wrestling. I said, wrestling, what's that? Never seen Gordon Soley, never seen it on TV, nothing. So curiosity got me, so I... I went and I fell in love with the business when I walked in to see Eddie Graham with the blonde hair, Bobo Brazil, and all those guys. I fell in love. I wanted, That's what I wanted to do. And years later, um, uh, as I was what 16... What was your first match? Oh, I thought your first match was with the Sheik and Terry Funk. Yes. So as um, I'm trying to break into business, but I was too small to be a wrestler. I didn't want to be a wrestler. I wanted a referee. So... Um, um, King Curtis, Mark Lewin, and Rocky Johnson, the Rock's dad, said, you make a great referee, and they got me sent to um, Texas to try to break in But as a referee, but they had David Manning, Rocco Lubitsch, all these guys, so they didn't need me, but I was going to be there anyway, so eventually they used me a couple times. My first match was that I refereed professional and got paid $90 for refereeing that night was in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, Terry Funk and Sabu's uncle, the Sheik, wow. in a chain wow. and, that, and that was my first match, my first professional match. So when I told Sabu that story, he automatically liked me because of the Sheik thing. And the Sheik stabbed me <laughs> with a pencil. I still got the lead mark right there. He stabbed me right you know, <laughs> oh my god, that's the best. But his first match in the business, regardless of uh, training and all that, was against the Sheik and Terry Funk. And then his first, you know, then he switches over to me, which is almost his first time he started managing, and probably the second right. time, which would be me, which would coincidence with my uncle and Terry Funk, because he managed me against Terry Funk, you know, right? Right? right. That's even more coincidence, bullshit, you know. Yeah, it was very cool when I, uh, Josh, when I told Sabu the more, story, more than that, with, and with more than meets the eye storyline. You know, Sabu story loved me automatically because this, my first match was with his uncle. Pretty fucking good. Yeah. Storyline goes deeper than that, and it's not even a storyline, it's the history, you know? Yeah, I know, that's cute. Yeah, I can't wait if to write a book. If we told somebody that then, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have believed it. What? I, I I can't wait to write a book. I've read your book five times. I got it right here. I've read your book five times. I love it. Good. I, I can't wait to write my own. Okay. 
Right. Uh, I'll tell you the guy who to call if you want to. He does it easily. Okay. Thank yes. you. So, so speaking of, uh, <laughs> you know, that match where you uh, you managed Sabu against Terry Funk, that was the barbed wire match that you're referring to? Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah, so what yeah, is that? Yeah, we had before that, I think. He wanted, he wanted to manage oh, yeah, him. we had been working together. That was the first time me and you ever faced Terry Funk was in the barbed wire match because that was right after the pay-per-view, before the right. next pay right. That one so, came out of nowhere. Paul, Paul came out of nowhere with it. He goes, you want to wrestle Terry Funk again? I go, yeah. He goes, well, what, what, what will make a difference? I said, have a barbed wire match. And he goes, you do that? How much more would it cost me? I said, nothing. I'll do it for nothing. Right against Terry Funk. Nothing. Not nothing, and, but no no and, bonus. You know what and I mean? right. people are still talking about it today. Yeah, it's only the second one I've ever done outside of the outside of Japan. Other one was in Puerto Rico, and that was bad. I, I just tested that. I didn't know I was doing a barbed wire match to the last minute, and then uh, so I, I didn't even hit the barbed wire. I was mad, and I made the people know I was mad. That because. was before you wrestled but Terry Funk. We, we, um, what? That was still talking about the match today. Are you talking to Josh or Fonzie? What? You talking to Josh or Fonzie? Fonzie, uh, Josh. Okay. Yeah, so... All right, let the, me say something about the Bob Meyer match. Sure, yeah, so, go ahead. Hold on, let Josh say something. He's oh, yeah, just real quick. Wait, Josh, I'm sorry. The, port, the, the match in Puerto Rico, that was before the uh, Terry Funk Bar Meyer bar No, match after, way after. Gotcha. Years after. All right, I think I know what, what okay, you're Okay, I'm sorry. Was. Go ahead, Fonzie. Sorry, brother. So, that, that match that night, as they were setting up the Bob Wire, and the ring guys went to buy the Bob Wire like a week before, and there's like four or five strains of Bob Wires. A, B, C, D, and they bought the biggest fucking barbed wire they could buy by accident. They they thought it was regular barbed wire, but they bought the vicious barbed wire to keep three thousand pound bulls out of the ring. So um, during the course of the match, um, everybody's all juiced up, bleeding, including Fonzie, and there comes a spot where. Shabu throws Terry Funk into a turnbuckle, but into the barbed wire, come charging in, and Terry Funk moves, and uh, when Shabu hit the turnbuckle, he hit it right here about by his shoulder, uh, and his weight pulled him down and ripped him all the way to his elbow. Oh. And actually, he looked at it, he went into shock. Shabu was in shock for about 10 Crying. seconds. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was, you know, you were in fucking shock, and uh, you kicked right out of it. He said, "Fonzie, Fonzie, give me some tape." So I ran and got you some tape. It was white tape. We did, you know, as you were taping your arm up during the match, you were taking a reverse neck breaker onto a steel chair. It's so cool. <laughs> I uh, I can close my eyes and see it, and still taping up as you're taking the bump is incredible. And then after the match, finally the Bob Wire match is over, and we had to cut uh, Terry Funk and Sabu out of the Bob Wire. Took us 20 minutes, and backstage we had a doctor, uh, EMT, and all that start stitching Sabu up. No anesthesia. He needed about 80 stitches. About halfway through, Sabu says, "Hey, Fonzie, go to 7-Eleven, get me some super glue." Now, now they have the medical super glue, but before this was early in the '90s, they had regular super glue. It was full of toxicity. It's a miracle Sabu didn't die. So he, uh, it wasn't full of. Loses back up, incredible. 
And then it, it worked okay. the next week. It worked the next week. Man, we were hardcore. Said, well, you're badass, just like me. <laughs> we met the, Close enough. Thank I met you. the doctor with Sabu. Uh, he was at one of the Philadelphia, the ECW, like, uh, arena December the, the little doctor? Yeah, he, uh, yeah. He was a podiatrist, right? Yes. Foot doctor. Foot doctor. Yeah. He, he lived yes. at Raven. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and he was just up backstage. It was pretty cool. He loved the business. That's awesome. I'll put 150 stitches in there. 25 of them fell out by morning. Right, super glue. That's the shoot on the super glue. Right. Regular yeah. super glue, not medical super glue. The super glue that's used for your house. You actually, know? it was crazy. Actually, it was crazy glue. You know, but it's yeah. all the same. It's surgical glue. This crazy glue char charges more, I guess. I don't know. Or yeah, less. surprised. I look back at it now that your blood didn't get full of that toxicity with all the. Chemical it doesn't have any. It has alcohol base. It doesn't. It evaporates. It's, they said it was genius that thank, I did that. Thank God I didn't know that. I said this motherfucker genius. It's a, what a good idea. Actually, they did. I swear. Because they said it's alcohol base. It evaporates. Where did you Anyways, get the idea for the uh, crazy glue? The crazy glue, super glue, medical glue. It's all the same thing. It's all made the same. There's a little price difference, I think. Big price difference for the medical. Ability, you can get crazy glue or super glue at any corner almost, and surgical glue you got to fucking probably order it, you know. <laughs> so it's easier to get crazy. Glue. Anyways, move on. Something else. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> but anyway, hell of a match, hell of a match, and uh, people have been talking about it today. Like I had a match in 1997 with Beulah, two non-wrestlers. The girl, she was a manager, Tommy Dreamer's manager, and me. I'm the manager. I'm not a wrestler. It's either was she. And they're still talking about the match today because I almost bled to death. We had a, well, it was a good match and all that, but the, why they're talking about it still today, I get questions about it during uh, the Comic-Con, WrestleCons, and, and all kind of stuff like that, is the, hey, Fonzie and the Beulah, because I almost bled to death, had to get rushed to the hospital and, you know, almost died, but... Because of the blood. That night, you went to the hospital. I went to the hospital because Sandman knocked me out with the cane. Remember? Hit me in the eye. Yes. Yes. You that went out to the other. Right. Went I, went to, I went to Kennedy. You went to something else, downtown hospital or something. Yes. Downtown. That's not where he broke your jaw. Yeah. Yes, it is. Hit me in the face with the thing, but my right. eye was mostly, but I found out my jaw was later. later. But yeah, you're right. That was I forgot about the jaw part. Yes. What he hell? Hit me in the eye and hit me in the face as I was throwing fire at him, and I didn't even sell it. He hit me so hard, I didn't even sell it. I just threw the fire at him, and he whacked me in the face with it, and I didn't sell. Like what? What just happened? You know, because the fire blinded me, and and he cracked me with that thing, and I seen stars, but I didn't see stars. I seen the sun. You know, blinded me. Right. Right. And uh, uh, I, I was, I fell, I fell out in the dressing room, and then you came out after you got done your match. You were passed out in the dressing room. We're falling <laughs> down, and they put you on a stretcher, and another ambulance and me on the stretcher, and we're both saying, "No, leave me alone," <laughs> and they take us away. <laughs> that was a dual uh, stretcher ambulance go to the hospital, two different hospitals. Wow. Sandman, Sandman directed the ambulance guys to what hospital to take who. He, I remember the name Kennedy. He goes, take him to Kennedy, <laughs> take him to something else, General Hospital or some shit. You know, but Sandman knew what he was doing because he knew he cracked me, I guess. <laughs> I, I had head trauma and he had a broken jaw. 
Wasn't there an incident right. in MLW with a light that broke and, and got you, Fonzie, and cut you open in MLW? Yeah, remember you flung the water, hit the lights, and it cracked your forehead? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I threw the butt. Oh. Yeah, the ring lights. Yep. Tell them, sure how, Tell them how it happened. Well, for you know, I'd always take a bottle of water for my for Sabu uh, to the ring with me in my back pocket and give him a little water during the match. It's, you know, they rest in 20, 30 minutes. It's tough out there. So, for some reason, I took a shot of the water as they were introduced me and flung the bottle and a little bit of water went up and hit the ring lights that were super hot and broke them, exploded and a fucking big charred glass and hit me right in the head and I got big juice it was great. Hey here's a picture can you see this? Yeah. See how red it, how shiny his shirt is? Oh my That's God. all blood. It's, it's like not just blood soaked, soaked, soaked in blood. Holy he could have really. probably rang it out in the dressing room and got a quart of blood out of it, at least. They say I lost 30% of my blood. I don't know how accurate that is, but... That's Sandman, he knows. Right. Sandman <laughs> you know. gave you some of his blood. Remember, he's bleeding on you. Right, <laughs> right. But I'm glad I got the big juice because there's still people still talking about it today. Yeah, you, know, you survived it, so that, that's good. You know, yes. She survived it. She's doing yeah. better than her. Who were, yeah. who were some of the other wrestlers that you you managed, Phil? Oh yeah, yeah. I I um I managed Taz when I came into ECW after four weeks. Uh, Van Dam and Sabu were the only guys I managed. Now I manage a couple more on the independent scene that I manage. If they bring me into an independent scene, they usually put me with their top guy to manage, like Matt Cardona, Matt. They can't beat them. Uh, they doing the jobs. The Brazilian giant down in South Florida, CCW. What was um, your relationship like with uh, the giant, the other? Um, Elegante. With Elegante, yeah. Giant Gonzalez? Yeah, Giant Gonzalez. Oh, fantastic, man. I was with him in WCW. I was working for Ted Turner, and they brought him in because Turner owned uh, the Atlanta Hawks, the Braves, CNN. The CNN Tower, the largest landowner in the United States, and he also owned WCW. So they brought him in to play for um, his basketball team, but he couldn't play because his knees are already bad. He played European basketball. They said, oh, we'll make you a wrestler. So they trained him for six months, and they and they brought him in the ring because he was eight foot tall. He couldn't work that good. He was terrible in the ring, but his size was And he needed an assistant 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they picked me. And uh, I was his personal assistant for three years uh, from WCW to WWF WrestleManias and all that. Very cool. Back here's a picture of me and Giant Gonzalez and The Undertaker oh, awesome. at WrestleMania 9. Oh, yeah, I see you, all three of you. Yeah, yeah WrestleMania 9. Um, so I traveled with him quite a bit. It was his personal handler. It was very cool because being with him, he was the tallest athlete on the planet, not only wrestling, 
basketball, and he was the tallest athlete on the planet. So um, I get so my phone rings. I got a cell phone. This is '92. Remember when the Braves were doing so good, uh, Josh? They were winning World Series. Yep. In the early '90s, so Ted Turner owns the Braves. So I get a phone call, and it's Ted Turner. I don't know how we got my number. He says, hey, Fonzie, this is Ted Turner. I thought one of the boys remembered me. He says, look, my, my Braves are doing so good. I want you to bring the Giant to a, uh, one of the baseball games, and we're going to put you in my booth where me and Jimmy Carter would sit. So the camera would pan over to the to the Giant and say, oh, the Braves are doing so good. It brings the largest athlete on the planet What's the Braves. And it shows Giant Gonzalez. And it doesn't say, and Fonzie too, but I'm sitting right next to him, you know. Very cool. <laughs> right? And they were, and now I went with them to do Baywatch with Pamela Anderson. He had a thing. Uh, we were on Thunder in Paradise, Hulk Hogan's television show that he had, his little series, about two years. So a lot of perks, not Percocets, but a lot of perks uh, went along with being with the yeah. Giant, you know. It was very cool. And uh, we got treated, you know, uh, great. Wherever we went, people were amazed at his size. And I was with him 24-7. It was amazing. So aside from managing, you also were a referee. And you refereed some pretty infamous matches, including the Lex Luger versus Brody match, correct? The, the steel cage match? Yeah, that was in the early 80s. Um, people were still talking about that. Yeah. What, what happened was Luger had just broken the business and he was, he looked like a star. And Luger was never a pre, uh, uh, class A worker. He was an okay oh. worker, but he looked great and that pushed him. So there was a bad book. He put Lex Luger and Bruiser Brody in a cage match. And for the first six months, they've been hand picking Lex Luger's opponents, getting them over and this and that. Finally, um, they put him with the, uh, Brody in the cage. It was a bad booking because uh, once they closed the door, and you know, um, and Brody was temperamental. He had been in the business twenty five years prior. Been he's a big star in Japan. He's worked with everybody, and they put him in with this young kid who was green as grass. And we were pushing him, and they just did not click. It just not click. And uh, Bruiser Brody uh, turned it up a little bit. And, and Lex Luger he wouldn't sell for him he kind of beat him up right uh, he, well he didn't physically beat him up he just wouldn't sell for Lex um, um, and then Lex Luger kind of freaked out he said Fonzie what do I do I said well grab me and slam me against the cage I'll disqualify you you know for Van Hill and the referee and that's what he did it was a bad book and they <laughs> should have you saved the day yeah they should have never put those two together uh no, no, not without okay because Brody wasn't okay with it. Obviously, right? You know, Brody's been a big star for years. Japanese big star. Yeah, all he, would, he carried blades with him. He would have. He would have zipped him. Oh yeah, it didn't get to that. It didn't get to that. They knew that Lex uh, was uh, one of the office guys that Human Suda was hoping to become a big star, and he did. He became the next yeah, of course. Yeah. and all that. He became a big star. 
but never a class A worker, but a hell of oh, a guy. Hell of his, a second, his second his second match, he won the United States title or something, right? Right. Something yeah. Second yeah. Match, everybody hated him. Everybody. Yeah, they they pushed him and he couldn't. He he wasn't a class A worker. Like he looked like it. Or you know guys like that you know, to work their ass off, but Lex never got hard, you know, work. Yeah. Anyways, uh, who else did you work with? Damn, what when I do? when I broke in in nineteen eighty of our first contract with that was with your uncle in nineteen seventy eight in Lubbock, Texas. I got paid, but it took me another two years to get into business and get a full time job. May of nineteen eighty. I signed a verbal contract with Florida Championship Wrestling with Gordon Soley and Dusty and Eddie Graham. And when I broke in May in 1980, I met guys like, I worked with the referee, the matches like Bobo Brazil, who was at the end of his career, who was just finishing up, who was done in about 1982 or three. I met the Sheik, you know, I worked with the Sheik uh, in 1978. I worked with so many, uh, Dick Murdoch, and, uh, Bruno San Martino. I worked with so many guys at the tail end of their careers, but then, and then it was Sorry. Dusty, I'm Dusty, Harley Race, Jack Briscoe, all those guys I worked with them all. Then it was the Barry Windhams and you know the my Shawn Michaels and the Hulk Hogan's. I worked with them all. What about I was so fortunate. About I worked Andre? with every big name in the business. Did you work with Andre? Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. Jump the jockstrap. <laughs> wow. How old are you awesome. then? Fonzie had an afro. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, I was 20. Hey, listen, I got a story about Andre. <laughs> so I'm refereeing this match, right? 1982 in Miami Beach at the convention center. So he had a guy in the turnbuckle beating him up. And I said, break, break, break. So Andre stepped backwards and he stepped on my foot. He was about 450 at the time. And he broke my foot. Oh. So... And it still hurts today. <laughs> no Sorry, way. but my right foot, where Andre the Giant stepped on my right foot in 1982, is still, I thought I had the gout, and it, it swells up every once in a while. Um, and I blame it on Andre for stepping on my foot. But if it's not true, it's a good story. But he did step on my foot, and I think he broke it. That's why. Uh, but yes, I worked with Andre. He came in. in you know, back in the territory days, you know. Um, we had our our normal guys, but then they would bring in like Andre the Giant for the week, bring in Harley Race for the week, the world champion, then bring in Moolah for the week, then bring in the Midgets for a week, in and out, then bring in Abdullah the Butcher for the week, you, you know, in and out. Uh, they'd come in maybe twice a year or something, and Andre would come in two or three times a year for they, a big they would, they, would pay, they would pay those guys, but not much for the local guys, right? Right. Well, back in 1980, um, I made money, but I, as a referee, I'll tell you exactly what I made. I made $50, I so was guaranteed minimum $50. Then you open the amount was $60, but that was 1980. But I averaged about 100 bucks a night because, I, you know, we were selling out, doing big, big business. I don't know how the hell we sold out Tampa Tuesday <laughs> night for 66 weeks. I don't know how the hell we draw 5,000 people every Wednesday in Miami. I don't know how we draw every Sunday in Orlando. How we draw 3,000 people every Sunday for, you know, five years. How do, how do we do that? 
but we did. I know. He, he, yeah, that's awesome. I miss yeah. those days, but you know, the evolution of the business now, it's WWE and AEW's doing really good now. I wouldn't mind working, uh, having a contract with either one of them. Yeah. But I did my time in WWF. You know, I did WrestleMania. They brought yeah. me in. You could manage Hook, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would exactly. Hook. Something, something, or against him or whatever. But let's see what happens. You could have a, you could have a cat fight with Taz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Roll around. Put Taz over. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, one time when, when I switched with Taz on uh, Barely Legal and I went with you, and I do promos. Taz said, "Fonzie, whatever you do, don't call me short or fat in the promos." <laughs> and the first promo I do, I call him, "Hey, you short, you fat." Oh man, he stressed me when he got a hold of me. He fucking stressed me a little bit. Didn't he call you? Uh, uh, Fonzie, why'd you call me short and fat? Yes. And he called you Hey, why'd you say that? Yeah, yeah, he told me specifically, he said, hey, don't mention anything about me being short <laughs> or fat. He goes, I called you short and fat because you're not. And he goes, I don't buy it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> he he put him, yeah. He'll reverse like that. Yeah. He was like, I called you short and fat because you're not short and fat, you know? Oh, he was built. Uh, Taz ended up being a pretty cool guy to me. He always treated me good. Yeah, yeah he ended up being... Yeah, he had to be cool, but not then. Not for seven years, he wasn't. <laughs> right, right. I love him now. You know, of course, we yeah, like yeah, it. Back in the business, I just had Mikey Whipwreck. All those, all those guys that we worked with back in the day, Sandman, uh, Taz. Hey, hey hold on. Uh, I met Hook the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, whatever. I met hey. Hook at uh, WrestleMania. Yeah, WrestleCon. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get to meet him. Was he pretty cool, humble? Huh, he came up to me, I think, right? Yeah. Josh, help me out here. Yes. Uh, we're at WrestleCon at WrestleMania, and I was doing a autograph signing, and he came up to me and said, hey, uh, my dad doesn't like you or something like that. No. no <laughs> he came no, up to me and said, I'm booked or whatever. And I go, hey. Yeah. I, think he, I was with you in the same booth. Oh, I, I never exactly what he said. He said. Was I, he there? Yeah, he's. Uh, I was with you in the same booth. No, we were, oh, we were, over, we were over by uh, Cardona's table. We were saying hi to Cardona and Myers, and he was walking down. You remember oh, their okay. table? They were yeah. like on the far wall, and he came up, and I think he told Sabu. He said, "I've been watching you since I was this tall," and I think Sabu said, "Well, I've been watching you since you know I, I've known you since you were this tall, insinuating since you was uh, you know in the woods." As a kid, yeah, it was pretty awesome. He's doing really good, too. But he he must have came over when you weren't there, obviously, right? Right. Yeah, right. he didn't come right over to our table. We we bumped into him. Oh, okay, we bumped into him. I yeah. thought he came over. Okay, either way. He introduced himself. I didn't force it on him. I would have loved him and met him and put him over, you know, because I think he's doing pretty good in, in, uh, in uh, AEW. I think they're using him good, and he's holding his own. He's young, good-looking, tall, uh, and the people seem to like him. Yeah, he's over, yeah. But uh, anyways... If people uh, want to see the photo of Sabu there? and Hook, it's on his uh, Instagram page, The Real Sabu ECW. There's a whole bunch of photos taken of Sabu, uh, Fonzie's in some of those pictures as well, taken at Sabu's booth um, at WrestleCon, which took place back in March. There's a bunch of great Damn, photos. I have to look for them. Me and you there, and uh, Santana Jackson was across the street from us, yeah. across the aisle. Right, Butterbean was across from us. Butterbean, Butterbean yeah, was Butterbean. great. What a great guy he yeah, was. Yeah, he's a, 
What a nice guy, yeah. yeah. he was so nice. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was cool. Seeing everybody. Fonzie, all right, so someone yeah. asked in the chat, Brandon Woodward said, Fonzie, while managing Sabu, were you in awe of his athleticism and how tough he was taking all those bad bumps? What, what was your reaction seeing him night in and night out coming up with all these different flips? And was there a particular move that you remember being like, I can't believe... Are you talking about I, Sabu being, exactly. being amazed by Sabu? Yeah. Well, when I came to ECW, remember, I came from Florida <laughs> Wrestling. I came from WCW, WWF, Family Energy, Vince Wynn, Wrestling, out of WWF, Worldwide Entertainment. So I'm around then I come to this company, um, meet these guys that would the tables and chairs. That was what the originator, and this uh, it was amazing. I've never seen anything like it. Scared me, but then I got used to it. Uh, but look, it takes its toll on the. I tell guys all the time, don't do the stuff you're doing. Don't do the chairs and tables. I said, barely, Sabu can barely walk. And you pay later, these guys, you know. I was amazed, absolutely amazed, like everybody else, at the bump. But the thing was, hey, Phil Fonzi, in my defense, the final bump that ended me was a bump in the supermarket. It wasn't a wrestling bump. I slipped to the supermarket and that broke the camel's back. Wow. But anyways, there wasn't a wrestling bump, so I can't blame it on wrestling. I hope so. you got paid for it. No, well, yeah, I'm rich. Even anyway, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, man. <laughs> Can you imagine being a hardcore superstar entertainer and then getting hurt on a little slip and fall? Damn amazing. I'm still selling it. My back is still fucked up from that day three years ago. Yeah, man. Yeah. Anyways, what, uh, what else going on? Can you get a match going, Josh? Um, well, here's the thing. I don't think Fonzie's going to be able to see it. Did you see a screen on your screen, Fonzie? It says watch. All I see is me and you. I see a little little bit of me, a little corner, and I see a big picture of you. says Sabu in the background. No, no match, nothing. So I don't mind talking, keeping up. Yeah, with I know. I'm, uh, okay, uh, okay, go ahead. Anything, <laughs> Josh, to help him with? Yeah. Well, uh, was there a particular, you know, uh, move or uh, table spot that you can recall just being like, like that one that stood out from the rest of them that you just well, remember, be like, this guy I remember is insane. By accident, Sabu putting me through a table meant to put somebody else through a table. And put me, put me through a table, but and I didn't feel a thing. I was so worried. It's 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 not natural to see a two hundred thirty pound man flying in the air, coming crashing down on you, putting you through the. It's not a natural reaction, you know. It's not a natural thing. So I didn't know what to think. But Sabu took care of me, and his ass hits the table. He breaks the table, saves me. So my bump was from here to here. This. You know, two foot, and Sabu took the big bump, but um, that's why he's hurt. That's why he, he's giving. Yeah, I hurt my my hip on that one. I remember. But made it quite to the table, and I broke the table, and then hit my hip on the floor. I remember that 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 hurt me because I was taking care of you. <laughs> yes. Oh, I think I was with Taz at the time because I had the orange. Yeah, on. yeah. And Todd Gordon, remember you, we were beating up Todd Gordon in there somewhere. Yes. 
Yeah. Todd Gordon through a table, but but uh, maybe before that, I put you through a table, or after that, one or the other. Yeah. Pretty Todd cool. Gordon, I put you through a table. His pants fell off. Remember? <laughs> yes, that was so that cool. That was so funny. Yeah, his pants fell off. I don't know how that happened, but it did. <laughs> I love Todd today. He's, you know. Uh, right. At one point, one point, I put you and Todd to a table, right? Yes, that we were head yeah. to head, head right. to head. I think was it you and Van Dam that put us two guys? I remember. I think it was just me, but I'll, I'll, I'll share with Van Dam. I think it was just me, but I'm not sure. Who was the Japanese guys that we worked together with? When we did we did a, a joint show. You and Van Dam against two Japanese in Japan. Hayabusa and Hakushi. Yes, very stiff and very, you know, they were like testing you guys, but you know, they were making you guys work. Believe me, I know both those guys for 10 years before that match. They weren't testing me, they're business as usual, bro. Right, okay. As usual. Fonzie, uh, did you used to me. ride in Sabu's, uh, I want to call it the right thing, the motorhome? Yes. Oh, yeah. I drove the, the two Japanese guys, my dog, my wife, uh, uh, Tanaka, another Japanese guy. I was with you the day you bought it. I was with you the day you bought it. You pull up, and, and the guy's trying to sell you. He said, I'll take that one. And we didn't know anything about mobile, about motorhomes. We just jumped in the fucking thing and started going. Remember when we were going through New York? And we were going through a tunnel, and, it, and we were too high and you, the air conditioning hit the tunnel and all, all kind of shit but so cool so that that, that motorhome was fantastic man I got pictures of us in that no man that, that was a good time Fun. yes Denver uh, nobody says who come who came up with the Hakushi sneeze when you used to say Hakushi you'd go Hakushi you'd do the sneeze during the uh, promos whose idea was that it wasn't mine it's Fonzie or Rob's idea not mine do you remember that, Fonzie? Who's, who's idea, Fonzie? Rob's? I'm not going to take credit for it, but it was all of our ideals, you know. Yeah. He's good. Yeah, it was funny. It was funny. It sure did fit. I love those Pulp Fiction interviews. Those Pulp Fiction stuff were pretty damn cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I also love the dynamic between... Rob and Sabu pulling the belts at the end of the match when they had the tag titles and the TV title, and they were yeah, and Sabu was always fighting. On, they were always fighting who can hold the yeah. titles at the end. Unbelievable dynamic between the three of you guys. Well, really, all that stuff was never anybody said fight for the belt. We did that ourselves, uh, uh, and that would be like last minute. I've got the belt. He pull it back and we start tugging, and then that would be the promo. It wasn't Paulie said tug for the belt. He might have said later on, but uh, everything every time I grabbed his arm. When he used to say something, I'd grab his arm and stop him. That was all me. There was no saying, stop him here. It's whenever I felt like it. When it felt right, stop him, you know? And if it didn't feel right, you know, don't stop him, you know? But uh, right. none of that was planned. None of that was scripted. It was all, you know, uh, okay, try it again. Then we'll do it again, and I'll pull it when I feel And when I, when I pull his arm, it would be in a different spot of the promo next time. It, it had to look natural, and it did, because it wasn't rehearsed or something. Yeah. What we do was a shoot, kind of. If, if, if Rob stumbled on a word, yeah, he'd do it again, but those were his words he was stumbling on. They weren't given to him. Right. With Fonzie, if he stumbled on a word, those were his words. Fonzie, let and me... I, I could stumble. I was okay to stumble because that was kind of my gimmick. I was spitting on the camera. If I, if I stumbled on a word, I shouldn't have been talking. <laughs> Fonzie, I was oh, up. he's got the whistle. 
<laughs> what were your memories of uh, Guilty as Charged? I believe it was 2000 when it was Rob versus Sabu and Sabu was exiting the company. Do you remember that time and, and how you felt knowing that Sabu was leaving? Well, of course. I, well, I don't remember exactly how I felt, but now that you bring that up, of course, we're, hey, we, we were working together for a long time and then, you know, to get separated and somebody leaves for a different company or goes somewhere, it's hard, man. We're, we're like family. You know, say I don't see Sabu for six months. When I see him, it's like we never left each other. Sabu is one of my dear friends in the business. Uh, so like like anybody, I don't see these guys for a long time. When you see him at a convention or something, it, we're family. It's, it's, so it is heartbreaking when uh, one of us die, like superstar Billy Graham just died. Yeah, and, rest in peace. You know, I got to work with him. And he was 79 years old. Uh you, you feel. Right. I didn't know Billy Graham. I never met him. Uh, but, uh, you know, too bad for him, I guess. You know, sorry to hear yeah. that. Well, he was a big name in the business, you know, and I got to work not, with him. Not to me. Not to me. He wasn't. Not till later on. The wrestling I got, he was never involved in. You know, our Midwest wrestling didn't have Bruno and those guys, and Bruno and Superstar. You know, I had Dusty and my uncle and Abdullah. Right, Dusty was a Dusty was a Hulk Hogan before Hulk Hogan was. Yeah, but he was also in the Midwest. Also, Billy Graham never came to Michigan that I ever seen. I'm sure, right. he had, but you know, uh, you know, in the '60s, I don't remember much wrestling. I just remember I like only time I only thing I'd watch is the Sheik wrestling. So uh, anything else, I don't really remember that much. In the '70s, I started remembering or watching. Uh, the other wrestlers and having some of my favorites but really none of them was my favorite compared to my uncle there's no comparison and then when i got into the business i watched everybody you know, three or four years before i got in the business i watched everybody and watched how they did it and how not to do it and all that stuff you know then i studied it i didn't watch it i studied it so, right at the where are you going funzy no, I'm, I'm looking for a joint oh sabu who were some uh, i can smoke on the yeah, show right yeah so who were some of the people that you were watching at that time when you were getting into the business and you were taking inspiration from? When I was getting into the business? Yeah, when you were getting into the business. Uh, like in 1983 when I started training? Yeah, who were some of the people you were watching and you were... Uh, uh, I started watching Jimmy Snuka and uh, not and Superstar sometimes, but not really. Uh, I, I rarely see him. He, I think it was past his time there when I started watching it. And... Uh, um, Tony Atlas, you know, Rocky Johnson, those guys, I'd watch those, you know. But then, actually, what I really was watching was the Sheik versus Purple. Purple, I mean, Sheik versus uh, uh, Bobo, Sheik versus Mighty Igor, and then other guys, you know, the, the, like the Rougeos, they were, they were great. You know, I used to watch like those guys. I don't anymore. Like, when I went back, when I said, man, I like those guys, but I, I did that. I'm sure there was a different appreciation watching the Sheik before you were training and, and afterwards. Yeah, well, uh, afterwards, after I started training, then I started respecting kind of everybody, not doing what they're, they were doing, but watching how they did it and would be a better way of doing it. And, and but, but not watching, I'm sorry, I take that back, studying it. I didn't watch it no more. I didn't look to see who won, lost, or had music, or a cool entrance. I looked at how they did it, you know, uh, how they did it. You know, every guy had a different way of doing a clothesline, sort of. You know what I mean? If you really pay attention to it, everybody's a little bit different at almost everything they do. Almost, you know. 
Was there anybody that you liked before that once you started getting in the business and studying, you were like, oh, I don't, I don't like the way that. Yeah, Sweet Danny Seeky. I used to love him because he used to do a drop kick from the top rope and do a drop kick from the floor and land on his feet. So that was amazing back in the early 70s and the 70s. You know, so when I met him in 1985 and wrestled him for. Uh, about 20 times in a row, it was it was awesome because I met one of my heroes who I respected as a wrestler, even though he wasn't the chic. I remembered him for gotcha. his blonde hair, dark skin, and his drop kick from the top rope. He'd land, take it, and then drop kick from the floor and land on his seat, which was unbelievable wow. at that time. Unbelievable. Well, was there anybody and who you liked before? Who he, had, he had such a great look. I got to wrestle him anyways. Like I said, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, was there anybody who you liked before? But then once you started studying and getting into the you know the heads the mindset of, of a wrestler that you were like, I don't like them anymore because you know what they're doing is you know you Yeah, a lot of guys, almost everybody. <laughs> because I looked and said, Man, these guys are out of shape and they suck. But my uncle would make them look like they were heroes. But against anybody else they weren't, you know. So it was probably more see through once you started realizing yeah, there was a guy called Tex McKenzie. I like my friend in school. His last name was McKenzie, so we had rivals. <laughs> and, and I actually thought Tex McKenzie was pretty good. When I look back at it, he he wasn't. We should he find him and bad. have the the final Sabu match. You first, that guy. <laughs> it was amazing for me, Sabu, to watch these guys growing up before I broke into business, and then being in a ring with Bobo Brazil and your uncle the cheek. It was amazing for me. I yeah, that. One of my first experiences was with Bobo in the ring and my uncle. You know, one of my first refereeing. You know, I refereed for two years, a year before I ever had a match. Then I refereed for another year, but then I was wrestling also. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought you did. Yeah, I, I, re I refereed. The first year I set the ring up and just refer refereed. Second year I set the ring up, refereed, and wrestled, and then tore the ring down and moved to the next town. You know, that's, that's, that was paying your yeah. dues. These young kids now get into business. They go well, to school. Yeah, if I didn't months. do that, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be able to. They wouldn't let me wrestle. They'd get somebody else who did, you know, mm. who would do right. it. Right. You know, uh, it was so hard to break into the business back then. Now everybody does, you know. Even for me, you know, I, I, you know, I wasn't noticed until seven years after I started wrestling, and, and I tried, you know, because uh, at the way that she told me to. But when he told me to be more myself, uh, it worked, you know. But I, I wasn't uh, before my time when I was decided to be myself. That was good timing. Who's that? It's me and you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I couldn't see it's shiny. <laughs> How about this? I, I get a sign action figure set. I, I, I think I had a concussion there, brother. In that photo? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I had a concussion there. I was out on my yeah. feet. You look like you were concussion. You ever giving me this? Yes. No, but no, if you say, yeah. If you say yeah, so, yeah. Thanks, Evan. Yeah. You signed it to Fonzie, you know. This yeah. is, I get a lot of cool stuff. Like this belt, Harley hey, Race gave um, me this belt. Harley Race gave me this belt. Right on. Hey, did you talk to anybody about doing an action figure with you? Of you? Um, Tommy Sailor. Yes. Zombie. They're gonna do a favorite. Um, me, me separate, and then me and you together. And okay. I signed a contract with them, and he gave me a signing bonus, and it's still in the works. But so I get yeah. action. 
figure come out with heels and faces or whatever that company yeah, is. Yeah, heels and faces. Right. Yeah, so you you yeah. you've already got an action figure with him. Yeah, he's got two actually. He's got a pink right. pants I, and a. They really pay attention to detail, so it takes a while. Yes, it's been about eight or nine months since I signed a contract with them, and so I'm coming yeah. out soon. They they called me a couple months ago and said Fonzie is coming out soon. He's he's got a lot in the works that he's not showing. Um, he's got and then he and he's also going to be doing a, a six inch line, which he just showed a photo of Brian Pillman that looks amazing. It's unbelievable what, hey, what he's doing. Josh, as you being related with Sebu as an agent and, a, and an attorney, um, you got my full permission to uh, um, work any deals you can with me with any type of action figures, anything involving Sebu and I, please. Um, you got 100%. I'm behind you 100%. I got you 100%. Call me, tell me what's going on. 100%. We got some things that we're you know, working on, and once they're, they're fully through, I'll, I'll let you know, but... There's definitely things in the works right now. Yeah, great. Hey, Josh, thing, Josh. I, can, I can barely hear you. I can hear Fonzie great. Oh, you can can't hear me? Hear barely. It's, sometimes it's the con connection issues. It's a little bit better. All right, yeah, well, I can barely hear him, too. Well, I, uh, well we're nearing the end of time. Uh, Fonzie, thank you so much for being on. Fonzie, can you send us out with a, with a whistle? Wait a minute. How much time do we have to have or can have? No, we're, we're, we're perfect. Let's keep going. You oh, you want to keep going? I, all right, yeah, we can keep going. Yeah, of course. However long you guys um, want to go. Yeah, Fonzie, so where are you at next weekend? I'm in um, this weekend coming up Friday and Saturday. I'm in Washington, D.C. for a company called AWA. They got big sponsors. They draw small people, uh, three or four or 500 people, but they got uh, sponsors behind them. I think it's government sponsors so they get not unlimited money but they got money yeah. so they're flying me in flying me out paid you know so I'm, I'm there this weekend and uh, I just was in Cleveland last weekend with Matt Cardona the weekend before that I was in Fargo North Dakota said well you've been there they liked you there uh, they, cool. yeah great people before that yeah. I was in St. Louis and then WrestleMania weekend we were together. You, me, and you and Josh and all that. So, and uh, then, what are you doing after next week? Next week uh, I'm in Sacramento doing an autograph signing in Sacramento, and I'm in Las Vegas doing an autograph signing in Las Vegas on Friday or Saturday. What? Thanks Saturday. Damn! See if you can give me any of those things with you, Sabu. I would love to come to Las Vegas. Uh, right now. It's in a couple days. It's in a couple days. It's this week. Right. Right. I'm okay. booked, but in the future. In the future, okay. and I'm always dropping your name too. But they want you to wrestle, you know. I said, "Well, he's meeting Reed now, but you know, uh, or come in and pie face me with a chair." I said, "We can do that, you know. Lights off, lights on." But so, um, but you can sure you're coming in for sure this summer in Miami. Um, CCW is called CCW, a good company. Um, uh, and they run once a month in Miami, and they do good business. So, can't, um, can't wait for you to come in in Florida and spend a week with me here. Where, where are you in two weeks? Like I said, like I asked. Uh, um, I am in. Um, yeah, I'm back in Cleveland. Back. Uh, in Cleveland. Okay. All right, man. Uh, that's good enough. We're good, I guess. 
Thanks, guys. Thanks, Evo, for having me on your show. Real Thanks. quick, before you, uh, before you blow your whistle, you, where can people find you on social media, Bill? How can they find you on social media, bro? Well, I mean, fine on Twitter. I'm uh, uh, Bill Fonzi Alfonso or uh, Alfonso Bill. I'm, I'm very easy to find on social media. Just punch in my name. I'm all over, and I post stuff all the time, cool pictures, videos, uh it's really cool to be on social media and I'm adapting to it. You know, I'm 60, I'll be 66 years old. So it was hard for me to learn the computer stuff, but I'm getting it now and I'm adjusting to it. And I find it very fascinating that people have an interest in me. You know, I got 10,000, I post something and I got 10,000 people that like to post. You know, that's pretty fucking cool. And it's usually pictures of me and you or me and you and Van Damme or us bleeding or, or the cage match or uh, the Bob Wire. I post stuff like that and get all kind of response. Have you talked to Sandman lately? I will see him. He's in Washington, D.C. <clears throat> him and Shane Douglas this weekend with me. We're in the same show. That AWA. Right on, man. So uh, yeah, I did an interview for Sandman. I did an interview for Sandman a couple uh, last week. Oh, we can't. Okay. Talk, I don't think we can talk about that quite yet. I'm supposed to say nothing. Yeah, we can't talk about that. <laughs> uh, but we'll talk about that. I'll call you this weekend down. with Sandman. I'll be with him. We'll, we'll give you a call. Right. Fonzie, can you send us out with a with a blow of the whistle, or is it? Hell yeah, Daddy. Okay, this is it. I'm gonna blow my whistle. Thanks for having me in the show. This is Bill Fonzie Alfonso. The manager of champion signing out with one more whistle blow. <laughs> that was it. <laughs>